every African has a bit of resilience. A lot of high, but yet you don't see real impact on ground. And so it has been an amazing ride, full of pains, shocks, disappointment. This is where the battle of survival will happen. But I saw the technology to be kind to Africa. What's up, Crypto Farm? Welcome to Cointelegraph's Hashing It Out. I'm your host, Elisha, and you can find me on Twitter at GH Crypto Guy. On this show, we will talk about crypto and everything Web3 with upcoming talent and leaders in the space. We will be taking you on a ride around the crypto block, answering questions and highlighting the next big innovations in the space. Before we dive in, remember to follow us on whatever platform you're tuning in from so you don't miss another episode. And if you want more crypto news as it happens, check out Cointelegraph.com. It's time to hash it out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hashing It Out. And this is one of those episodes where we speak about something that usually isn't so mainstream, but it's so important and it's at the heart of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. We're speaking to one of the many people trying to find ways to use cryptocurrency and the blockchain technology we have as a way of changing the landscape on the African continent and just changing how things work across the world. Hello, Eric Anand. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Elisha. Thanks for having me. It's been an amazing opportunity to be here. Amazing. Thank you so much. So Eric is in charge, founder of Aya, and we're going to talk about Aya, but I'm sure most of you must have heard this narrative a lot of times that the African continent has a lot of bright minds and there's a need to leverage these bright minds and find opportunities for these bright minds, etc. And today I'm talking to Eric because he's doing that with the IR platform. And I think it would be interesting to share this particular story with my listeners. So Eric, let's get started first by talking about how you got into crypto and your journey so far. Oh, wow. That's an interesting start, um, Abilasha. Um, so my journey to crypto happened accidentally, I must say. So I resigned from my job in Ghana. I was working in Huawei, Ghana for almost four years. And so I resigned and decided to take an adventure. And my friend would convince me who has to travel to Nigeria in 2015. So we left Ghana and then traveled to Nigeria. And I was fortunate to station at Abuja one of the most beautiful cities in Africa. And whilst in Abuja, our first business really didn't work. And the reason why it didn't work would be the why I'll be in crypto. So the Central Bank of Nigeria in 2015, August, uh, passed a, a kind of a policy fiat order that no bank should accept dollar deposit or withdraw of dollar. And our first business that we, we sent to Nigeria was one that we have to deposit dollar and send up for the product to be activated. So by that order, that startup or that enterprise came, I mean, ghost, it just collapsed. And we will just be wandering on the street of Abuja, hustling. Then 2016, February, a friend called that, hey, Eric, let's have a conversation. I met him and he will introduce me to crypto. But let me put on, on record, that crypto that I was introduced to was turned out to not to be a real blockchain product. It was called OneCoin. And if your listeners would agree with me, 97% of Nigerian crypto enthusiasts today, most of them got into crypto through OneCoin. And I was one of those. 
So my story started for one coin. Then in a couple of months, I dig deeper and I realized, hey, this thing is not real. And so I started digging my own, going to online, reading about stuff on YouTube. And I found an amazing YouTuber who explained stuff to me. And I read a book by Thomas McNaughton called The Rise and Fall of Digital Currency, The Seven Destruction. And that book would really inspire me to start my first OTC platform in Nigeria called Digital Kudi in 2017. And Digital Kudi was among the only three OTC platforms. Then there was Naira X in Ibadan and other. Lono has just entered Nigeria at the time. And Digital Kudi will become an offline OTC platform. And I bought my first Bitcoin from the founder of Yellow Card, Chris Morris, in back in 2017. So just let you know the, the journey. And so it has been an amazing ride, full of uh, pains, shocks, disappointment. But I saw the technology to be kind to Africa. Because if you really look into crypto and blockchain, I think that blockchain was created for Africa. I don't see any major problem that the blockchain is solving in the global north. But blockchain is a technology that is solving everything from employment, job skills, to payments, to governance, to health, everything. So it's time we really give attention and pay attention to blockchain. Unfortunately, we are still being on locus and we're only doing just 0.1% of what the blockchain could do, which is crypto buy and sell and peer to peer. And I and my team really want to redefine that narrative and shape and put African young people. Fortunately, we have a young people that are going to be more than India and China combined by the end of this two um, decades ahead of us. So it's important we use the blockchain for the good of our continent. Sounds interesting. I have heard this a couple of times, and I'm sure my listeners have also heard this a couple of times when I've had people come on to talk about blockchain in Africa. So I would want you to explain further how you think blockchain is changing the landscape on the African continent. What are the use cases? Why is blockchain the answer to a lot of Africa's problems? Oh, that's a great question. So if you have a banking and finance background like I do, or I never worked in a bank, you realize that for centuries, if not centuries, decades, one major headache for Africa has been ability to trade among ourselves. We are 1.4 billion people, Elisha. China is 1.4 billion people. Chinese economy is $19 trillion. Africa economy is little over $4 trillion. So let's just do simple mathematics. The poverty in Africa, it is not the fact that we are poor. It's the fact that we are unable to activate the value that we have. If you cannot trade among yourself, there's no way you can create wealth. If you cannot, I mean, transact, you do not have financial record, you do not have financial, access to financial tools, you don't have ability to have credit, there's no way we can create wealth in Africa. So one of the major use cases for me is seeing the blockchain enabling me able to send money to somebody in Togo, which was not possible 10 years ago, without going through the dollar and for the money to hit a US account, before he got back to Togo and paying exorbitant fee up to 15 to 20% in some cases. So blockchain, if nothing at all, today, I don't need to be in, in Togo. I don't need to go to bank. I'll just stay in my house and use one of the crypto stable coins. And within a minute, 
the, my party, my friend or my brother or my sister, who may perhaps it may be doing French education in Togo, will receive this money in seconds so that we don't lose time waiting for three days, four days for her to go to the bank and the bank will tell her, oh, your ID card is not even good. Go and bring it back. And we know the banks will do overnight borrowing. So I don't want to even go deeper. Crypto and blockchain has enabled Africans be able to talk to ourselves through easy transactions. I don't need PayPal today. PayPal to today do not have us give access to a lot of Africans. But thank God we have crypto today. I don't need PayPal. I can transact to anybody anywhere in the world. Beyond Africa, we can even be part of the global financial system. And for me, it's the most important solution that we were thinking, how do we solve this? And blockchain has enabled Africa to solve it. So I don't even want to give a lot of new cases, but this is significant because Euro became Euro because they were able to trade among themselves. They were able to move freely. So blockchain is enabling us trade. The next layer is to be able to move freely within the continent without needing to think, how do I get visa to travel within my own continent? And the moment we activate free mobility and able to trade, I tell you, we will not need aid from anybody. We will generate wealth in Africa and we'll be able to feed the 1.4 billion people and empower them to become self-sufficient. And that's why I'm very passionate about blockchain and trying with my team to be advocate for us to go beyond the crypto and activate the other layer the blockchain can enable us to do. And that would lead me to Aya, which is the company founded for people who don't know what Aya does, what is Aya, and what have you been doing with Aya over the last couple of months? Thank you so much. Um, to give me an opportunity again to share light about what we're trying to do. So uh, a bit of a background. I co-founded a company back in 2018, and the company, again, couldn't scale. And I had the privilege of traveling across over 17 African countries. And I saw that the same talent you find in Ghana, Nigeria, the same talent you could find them in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, in Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Togo, Ivory Coast. I was like, wait a minute. Unfortunately, these talents were wondering, how do I get out of school and be able to get my first job or my first internship? Then digging deeper, I realized that, look, we have academic structures that really do not empower us to become builders. We have an academic system that tell, like, go to school, get a good grade, and get a good job. So we are just receivers. That made us to think about Aya. So Aya actually has a meaning. Their name Aya is a thin leaf. And it's part of the old Adinkra symbol, where I come from. I'm an Asante, Asante person, and Asantees have Adinkra symbol. So that one of the Adinkra symbols is Aya. And Aya means resilience and resourcefulness. Elisha, every African has a bit of resilience. Every African is resourceful. Despite all the challenges we face, no internet, no electricity, no social safety net. You don't wake up thinking, I'm hungry, or let me go to food bank, like you have in the U.S., in Africa, young people are thinking of how do I even survive first? However, this problem still persists. How do we change the perception and the mindset of our young people to tell them that, hey, wait a minute, Africa is the youngest continent in the world. Median age is about 18 years. It's not even ending there. By the end of this century, every three out of five will be black person like me. It's not the end. By the end of this next two decades, either of us. Africa is going to have the largest aggregation of young people, more than India and China combined. Two weeks ago, about a month ago, the U.S. ambassador to Kenya, he made a statement. And he says, Africa is the last and the largest opportunity for supply chain, 
and consumer prospects presented to the world today more than what Southeast Asia presented to the world 20 years ago. So Elisha, Africa is at a place today to create the next generation of world builders. And the people that are going to build the world today using technology like blockchain, AI, machine learning, are going to be African young people. But nobody is empowering them. Nobody is giving them that skill set because what we learn the universities are not enough to position us on a global stage. So AYA, we are on a mission. We are creating a movement, a movement that enables us, create an opportunity for every African be able to kind of export their brain. We are creating a movement that enables people to live borderless, have a skills and contribute to the global value chain. So we empower young people through training, empower young people through open source projects that they build on ILR, because if you have a skill and you don't show the proof of work, nobody will hire you. So the days where you show your CV, it's gone. Nobody's interested in your CV. People are interested in, show me what you can do. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care where you come from. Once you can do the job, you can show me that you can write that code. You can show me that you can design that product. You can show that you can do product management. You got a job. And that's what AYA is on. We are not just a startup. We are not just a company. We are making a change, that fundamental change to reduce amount of people traveling from Africa to Mediterranean, thinking that there's opportunity out there. The opportunity is in Africa. We are going to export the brain of young African talent to contribute to the global value chain. This time around, not brain drain, brain export. You stay in Africa, you have the right skill, you have the right mindset, you have the right ability, the right attitude, and then the world says that they need that ability for you to come value creator and earn right income, stay in Africa, eat your food, and enjoy your Afrobeats. That's what Aya is about. So I understand Aya uses blockchain technology in certain aspects. Would you love to elaborate on that? Yeah, basically. So our product, in summary, one of the products that we have built, we realized that trust is an, a major issue for we here in the global south. So the global south includes South America, Latin, and Africa. Trust is a major challenge. But you and I know that the blockchain, one of the major attributes of the blockchain is ability to have its own self-sovereign and trustless. So we are using the blockchain to create what we call on-chain identity. So through a sober NFT, every talent uses that sober NFT. What eventually we are building is a process. But for now, you can make your sober NFT. And that sober NFT enable you to continue build your credentials online. So, for example, if Elisha, you tell me that I'm a good podcaster, I've been running this thing for the last one year, I am a community builder, I'm a debater, you don't need to send me your CV. I can go with your wallet. Just send me your wallet, and I can use your wallet to track and see, oh, wow, it's true. So we build it using Polygon. We deploy our first uh, version on Polygon. We say we're aiming to become a multi-chain, meaning that any chain, can, you can actually mint your sober NFT and continue to build your own on-chain identity. Let me give you an exciting news. Last year, with the support of Coinbase, by the way, we are a tech back company, but the support of Coinbase, we piloted a training of African talents. The goal was to just train 50 people. Elisha, we put up an application and we had 4,000 applications from 33 countries in Africa. So the desire, people are interested to have Web3 skills, but they don't even know how to start. A lot of people have Web2 skills. They're asking, how do I get Web3 skills? How do I become smart contract developer? How do I become Web3 product designer? And they, they are wondering, where do you get it? So when I announced that with the partner of Coinbase, they were overwhelming some subscription. But we couldn't do all. We were able to train 66. Let me give you a good news. Because our program is not just come and get scale, 
we train you with a special focus on pace. Pace is problem solving, adapting, creativity, and empathy. Some of our graduates in less than two months are already winning global hackathons. In fact, one of them is called Nafisat. Nafisat just won a hackathon with her team from Polygon Labs, and they've received about $7,000 in grants. She won another hackathon with Celo in just two months. We are in the business to turn in our untapped talent to become global builders because there's so much talk, there's so much conversation going on. Nobody's really focusing on how do we turn this raw talent to become real builders. And for us, our goal is to actually hack it out like you have hashed it out, hack it out, continue to build, and show that we have the right skill to be able to build. So yes, we are a blockchain focus, and we are focused on Web3, creating an ecosystem of enablers. I mean, our first product is built using Polygon, and I believe that in the next couple of months, we are going to have the multi-chain deploy, and that will everybody be able to assess our product seamlessly anywhere in Africa. Sounds interesting. What has the reception been so far? I think you already touched on that, that one of the projects you did with Coinbase had an overwhelming response. But beyond that, what has the reception been so far? And what are you looking forward to in the coming months? It's been great, Elisha. It's been amazing. So far, we have had amazing support from Coinbase, from the broader it's an ecosystem. We had support from Orange Dio, the largest YC aluminum dial in the world. I mean, that's a Roslick. And of course, Textas. I mean, being an African startup and being accepted to Textas Boston is a milestone that we have achieved. Again, I mean, I just forgot to add, I had just launched a new product called I Velocity 8, which is a spring of IR Lab, where this talent who are building open source projects, that project just got a, a customer and we're building MVP from zero to launch within eight weeks we already have two customers that pay for that so in terms of reception people are beginning to see that we are not just here to do another talk shop in the last 18 months we dug our head in the sun and decided to build bootstrap and build and now eventually our hardware continue commitment to talking about how do we turn Africa talent to become built is really the result. So we've been having an amazing reception so far, and we're looking forward to actually scale. Again, Aya is not an African company. We are start from Africa, but we are global focused. Our customers are mainly from the global north. So we support the companies in the US, in Canada, in the UK, in Haiti, and we're looking forward to expand beyond and help a lot of Web3 companies hire African talent, work with African talent, and enable them to save about 40% of their cost. So if you're looking for smart talents, resilient talents, you're a web three company, you're spending so much money in the US, we're asking you to look into Africa. We have great talents in Africa that we are happy to work with you to enable you build faster and save more of your burn rate on your hire in the US or in, in Canada or in the UK. Let's move on from IA specifically and discuss the African crypto landscape. What do you think are the biggest hurdles that we who are in Africa who are in Web3 face? And what do you think could be done about those hurdles? Thank you for that question. Recently, I was with some people in global platform that I had opportunity to be. I'll just mention two major ones. There have been a lot of talk about the fact that Africa is a key player for Web3 and crypto at large. Matter of fact, blockchain crypto has a more use cases in Africa than you have in the global north. Apart from speculation, hedging, and trade, that people do uh, as a means of investment in the US, especially in Africa, it is solving real need. 
But the challenge that is confronting major challenges in Africa is this. People stay, live in US, Silicon Valley, they are in Singapore, they are in Hong Kong, they are in China, and they are building a crypto project thinking that we are built for Africa without understanding the local nuances. And forgetting that there are a lot of people in Africa using a kind of smartphone, but it's not that sophisticated. Like you have a lot of people using iPhone in China or Samsung in the US. So in terms of understanding the African context and building product that suits and kind of onboard a lot more people, they miss that context. So you have a lot of African founders speaking that they are building the next infrastructure for Africa. A lot of hype, but yet you don't see real impact on ground. And you have a lot of African founders incredibly building real stuff, but hard for them to assess little grants to for them to even and um, continue to build what they are building. So for us to solve this problem, I think the global Web3 space, the global ecosystems need to prioritize Africa and see how they can actually really, really, really empower African founders and African tech startup ecosystem to really be able to kind of push it. People are trying to say, we want to cut what we have 1 billion users. That 1 billion user will never come from US. It will come from Africa. So until we change the approach with a long-term thinking from short-term gain, oh, let me just show, um, we'll do hackathon, two-days hackathon, bootcamp. How would two-days bootcamp impact people that you are trying to do if the intention is not just for them to use your product? So the major challenge I see is that a lot of these global players are only interested to use Africa as a liquidity exit, but not really interested to really empower, make impact in Africa where their product can become sustainable and their product can really, really solve a real pain in Africa. And that's, once it's changed, then I can see us billion users in Africa because 70% of the 1.4 billion people are under the age of 30. And these are the real users of crypto and blockchain. Looking into the future, what are your firm projections let's see the next three to five years i know you've mentioned that in the future we're looking to onboard as many as a billion hopefully on the continent i personally think that would be a killing task but in the next three to five years what are your projections in the next three to five years i see a lot of blockchain protocols having fiscal present in africa i see that's the only win-win i mean situation so i'm using your platform which i know has a much bigger i mean listenership in the next five three to five years, I look forward to seeing major blockchain foundations not just doing lip service, but really prioritizing Africa and refocusing their strategy with Africa and not just seeing Africa as, oh, there's low liquidity, there's not much economic unit there, but looking at the continent to say, hey, this is actually a continent that holds prospects. Africa is not a developing continent. It's a frontier market. After we have done everything, we go there. No, in three to five years, I will see a scrambling of all these foundations coming to Africa to reposition themselves as the most preferred friend to the continent. It's a choice. I mean, it's something that is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and it's coming. I see it coming in the next three to five years. I know that a lot of these blockchain foundations will, be, will have physical presence in Africa because this is where the battle of survival will happen. This is where real adoption will happen. Africa is where real use cases of blockchain is happening. Africa is where all these protocols will have their maintenance happening. Africa is where you will tap great potential of talent. So in five years, I will see not less than three of major blockchain foundations having present in at least five countries in Africa. I will not be surprised to see a Bitcoin house in Kigali, Bitcoin house in Lagos, Bitcoin house in Accra, Bitcoin house in, in Nairobi. I will not be surprised to see that it's coming. 
because they all know that for us to have global mass adoption, Africa cannot be overlooked. It is a frontier market. Even the young people who have consumer ability, I mean, they have the potential, they are students, they are receiving money from their parents, and they prefer to use crypto as a means of receiving rather than going to the bank. Nobody wants to go to bank. So in five years, I see major African countries adopting crypto. In five years, I see major central banks really, really working with crypto startups to say, look, we need to change our economic discussion. Guys, come. We don't know. We are happy to learn and we can work together. I believe that regulation should not be prohibited. I believe that regulation should be more advanced, more proactive, more progressive in order to enable young people to do best. Because a lot of people are making policy that were born before computer. And so they're making decisions that predate the birth of computer. They need to really have an open mind, have an understanding that the world is moving fast and we cannot wait until everything's ready. We just have to be a habit of trying. So in five years, I see a lot of opportunities for the continent of young, the continent of opportunities, the continent of many, and the continent of plenty happening in the form of collaboration. That sounds really inspiring and has a very positive outlook about the next couple of years. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining me on this podcast. Um, I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. And hopefully we can talk in a couple of months when you roll out new features and new projects under the IR brand. Elisha, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on your most listening podcast. I'm your secret. When you interview Michael from Kenya, Michael has been a friend for a long time. I listened to you, I was like, wow, this is an amazing. I've been listening to your podcast for some time now and you are doing great. Keep doing. You are a shining star, you are a shining light. And I'm asking you to also avail yourself, mentor other young people to also see the bigger light that you have seen. And so thank you so much for the opportunity. All good things must come to an end. And so does our show. You've been listening to Hashing It Out by Cointelegraph, where we talk about crypto and everything Web3. I'm your host, Elisha, at GH Crypto Guy on Twitter. And if you liked this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Please do this. It will really help us out. I need to get out of my mom's basement. Don't get me fired. Subscribe wherever you're listening to us leave a review and have a great day. Thank you.